If you are just joining us for the first time, last week we started a four-part series in what I believe to be one of the deepest chapters in the entire Bible, John chapter 17. The high priestly prayer is what this chapter is called, and the reason it's called that is because Jesus is going to the Father, praying for us on our behalf, praying to Him, mediating between us and the Father, talking about Him gathering His church in the Father's name, and He's going to the Father pleading, saying, Here, Daddy, I, I have them. They've believed in Your Word. I've guarded them. I've kept them. Here they are. Before we start, I will say, um, this is an incredibly deep chapter. And there are a lot of truths in here that are hard to wrap your mind around. And I will ask of you this morning before we read the same thing I would ask of you any morning. And that is, you've got to come to the Word in faith. And the reason I say that is because we're going to touch on a topic this morning that is... It's hard to wrap our finite minds around. And the best I can, I can say before we start is this. God is sovereign. You are to repent and believe in the gospel. And there is harmony between those two things. Those are not contradictory things. God is absolutely sovereign over all things, determining and controlling all things that He has made. And you are called to personally believe and repent of your sins. And if you don't, you will perish. Keep those two together as we go in here. Okay? That's important to understand. John 17 is like a war room that we're getting to see where the Father and the Son are talking about how they're getting ready to accomplish the greatest single mission on earth. We get a sneak peek into the mind of God and John 17 is like a personal transcript where we get to read between a conversation between the Father and the Son. God is talking to God in John 17. That's how deep this chapter is. How many people in here have ever listened to a sermon on John 17? Not many. I find that really strange. And the reason I find that really strange is, this is John. This is like one of the most famous books of the Bible. John 1, in the beginning. John chapter 3, verse 16. Say it with me now. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever believed in Him shall not perish and have, but have eternal life. Let's chop that one up. John 6. We know this book. How is it that so many people don't know John 17? I think the reason that preachers... Well, I'm going to be careful here now. I think the reason preachers do not preach this is because they will not. Because it's tough. I think it rubs against our fleshly sense of me, me, me. I think this text grates against our tendency to make the gospel about ourselves, what we want, what we do. But John 17 is not about us. It's about God. Today we often hear, hey, preacher, you better tell it like it is. Don't be doing anything. Don't water down stuff. That's what I get all the time. You're not watering it down, are you? 
Better preach it like it is. If you want it like it is, you read John 17. Today, it's not about us. John 17 is what God did in spite of us. So get ready now. Charles Spurgeon said this. I had to quote this. Avoid a sugary gospel. Seek that gospel which rips up and tears and cuts and wounds and even kills. For that is the gospel that makes alive again. I love it. Well, guess what? John 17 about to rip you up. John 17 says salvation isn't something you do. It's something God does. John 17 says it's not for your glory. It's for God's glory. John 17 says ultimately you didn't choose him. He chose you to choose him. John 17 says Jesus loves you not because you're worth loving. Jesus loves you because he is love and he loves the Father. John 17 says, ultimately speaking, it's you who believes, it's you who repents, it's you who are called to change your life, it's you who are called to turn away from sin, but ultimately, you contribute nothing to your own salvation other than what God has decreed. John 17 is God's sovereignty. God is God. It's a hard chapter. Why don't we know more about this chapter? I think it's because it's tough. That's why you need to hang on to both. John 17 does not negate John 3.16. It can't. It's both God-inspired. But they have to come together. And if we don't submit to what John 17 has to say, if we grit our teeth and say, eh, I don't like that, we try to go somewhere else to find what we want, if we can't stare this text in the face and say, Thy will be done, we are creating a false, sugary, man-centered, man-dependent, man-glorifying gospel. So let's go to the text now. Stand for the reading of God's Word, if you will. John chapter 17, verses 6 through 13. I have manifested your name to the people whom you gave me out of the world. This is Jesus talking to the Father. Yours they were, and you gave them to me. And they have kept your word. Now they know that everything that you have given me is from you. For I have given them the words that you gave me. And they have received them and have come to know in truth that I came from you. And they have believed that you sent me. Verse 9. I am praying for them. I am not praying for the world. But for those whom you have given me. For they are yours. All, are, all mine are yours. And yours are mine. And I am glorified in them. And I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world, and I am coming to you. Holy Father, keep them in your name, which you have given me, that they may be one, even as we are one. While I was with them, I kept them in your name, which you have given me. I have guarded them, and not one of them has been lost, except the son of destruction, that the scripture might be fulfilled. But now I am coming to you, and these things I speak in the world that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. Let's pray. Father, who is sufficient for these things? It is by your grace alone that we have a Bible. It is by sheer grace alone that you have spoken to a sinful people. 
Father, we, we don't take that lightly, and we need your help. Just as you created us, just as the world is being preserved now purely by your grace, just as you are upholding the universe right now in this second by the word of your power, we need your power now to understand this text. We ask for your grace. Show us the importance of your word this morning. And all these things we ask in your precious son's name. Amen. If you're new here to Haynes Creek, I do one thing every single Sunday, and that's I try, if I can, to give you, boil down what I'm trying to say, because I think it helps us learn. Sometimes you can't always do it, but sometimes, if I can, I like to boil down what I'm getting ready to say so that you know what I'm wanting to say unless I don't say it well. So here's what I'm trying to say. This is what I believe our text says. Jesus Christ guards us and keeps us by his word. Jesus Christ guards us and keeps us by his word. Let's read verse 6 just for a second. I have manifested your name to the people whom you gave me out of the world. Yours they were and you gave them to me. And they have kept your word. So, three things you could really boil there. I don't know if I put them up there or not. Josh, do I have them? Yeah, there we go. Yours they were. You gave them to me. And they have kept your word. So, God chose an elect people. He chose them before the foundation of the world. He chose them of His sovereign will. And, they, and you, we will know God's people not by those who simply claim to be God's people. How will we know them? They will believe in His Son and they will keep God's word. It's not our job to determine God's job. It's not our job to determine who's elect. God says, you'll know the ones who I gave the Son by those who love my Son and those who keep my word. The church is, in some sense, if you want to say, given from the Father, given to the Son, called out of the world, kept by God's word. The church is a people, given from the Father, given to the Son, called out of the world, kept by God's word. This is, like the, this is like Amazon tracking for the church. It started here, and it made its way here. It's a really bad analogy. But the end goal is 1 Corinthians 15. When? When Jesus hands back all to who? The Father. That's salvation history right there. The Word of God is the hand that hoists us up from the pit of hell. Verse 8. For I have given them the words that you gave me, and they have received them, and have come to know in truth that I came from you, and they have believed that you sent me. So Jesus says, mission accomplished. I gave them your word, Father. They received your word. They came to know your word in truth, and they believe in me, your Son. That's the gospel. The gospel is very simple. Receive and believe. We are saved by the word or we are not saved at all. The triune God has devised a plan to save a chosen people from the world, pluck them out, and the game plan is this. Give them my word. Let them receive it. Let them believe it. Let them study it. Let them love it. I have begun doing something in my Bible time differently than I've ever done it. In fact, I would say I haven't really been this into... I haven't been doing this particular thing 
as vigorously as I have since maybe third grade. I'm a pastor, and I have committed to myself that I'm going to start memorizing the Bible more. I don't memorize it enough. I don't know it well enough. Some of y'all might go, you don't think a couple years in seminary was enough? No! I don't... A seminary degree don't get you the Word of God written on your heart. Studying and meditating on God's Word every single day, marinating in it and letting it soak my soul is what God calls us to do. So every day I am engaged right now, right now I'm in the book of Philippians. Every single day trying to write Scripture on my heart by the Spirit of God. And the reason I'm doing that is not so I can help my preaching. I'm doing that too. The reason I'm doing that is not so I can just be a better leader. It's not so that I can whip out at small group and be like, yeah, um, you mean that? I knew that. It's not that. The reason I'm studying God's word and trying to write it on my heart is because I'm holding on for dear life. The word is my lifeline. It's not something I come back and pick whenever I want. God says that that's how He guards my soul, is by His Word. How can I take that lightly? God is keeping me by His Word, but, I, but He does that by me keeping the Word. When I read my Bible to my twins every single night, most nights, not every single night, they don't know it yet, but that word is the only thing that's going to save them. And I'm not, the, the house is not going to save them. My job is not going to save them. The food they eat is not going to save them. Their education is not going to save them. I'm not doing it to make Roman and Ruby good moral people. I mean, I'm doing that too. I'm not doing it so that we can have a nice little family activity before they go to bed and we can all have, we can gather our family synergy before they go to bed. No, I'm doing it to save their life. I want my children to know God's voice more than my own. As long as my twins are under my roof, as long as I have breath, Kelly and I will try to imprint God's word on their little hearts because that's how God keeps his people. If you don't read the Bible and you're a Christian, your, your soul is in danger. God doesn't just save us by His Word. He keeps us by His Word. You should be engaged. I should be engaged every single day in a spiritual battle clinging to God's Word for my life. Verse 12, Jesus says, I kept them. I kept them. We're being kept in God's grace by God's Word. God's people are people of the Word. That's why I always brag on Willie. Willie, my goodness, Willie. I, Willie always talks about how good a preacher I am. I, I don't know where he's getting with that. I think he wants something sometimes. <laughs> Willie just spits off the Word like that all the time. I'm like, how do you know that stuff? I've, I've, I've told you this many times. Those of you who are new, I took piano lessons for eight years and I can't play a lick of piano because I can't remember nothing. I have a bad memory. And I'm not going to get up to the kingdom before judgment and go, God, you didn't give me a good memory. I couldn't memorize anything because of the brain you gave me. And what God's going to say is, your heart was beaten, wasn't it? 
You had air in your lungs, didn't you? My word was open, wasn't it? Did you read it? Did you seek me with all of your heart? Did you abide in my word? Because if you didn't, you were not remaining in me. God's people are those who receive his son, keep his word, and believe in the gospel. I want to memorize scripture not because I can just rapid fire with you and kind of impress you with my knowledge of scripture. It's because I don't want to fall. I don't trust myself enough to go day to day to day without reading God's word. I come back to it because if I don't, I'm going to slip and I'm going to sin. David said, I want to hide your word in my heart that I what? Might not sin against you. We were, rec- we, we were recently visiting a backyard barbecue in um, Atlanta. My wife had some friends, and uh, one of the few friends we have in town, and um, other than you. And um, they were having, there were just a thousand different ways that my children could have been hurt. You ever walk into a place as a parent, and you're like, that's going to hurt them. That's going to hurt them. They're definitely going to trip on that. Uh, there's going to be crying here. I know there is. <laughs> As parents, do you, have you developed this? Clackums, you better listen up. <laughs> have you developed this like sixth sense where you walk and you're able to carry on conversations? Not quite 100%, but 90% while you corral your kids from whatever they're doing? So you can actually do two things at once. You'd be like, yeah, I saw that last night. LeBron was on fire. Hey, Ruby, come on over here. What were you saying again? Hey, I, I understand that. Roman, come on. Hey, come on. What were you saying? you got to do that as a parent. You have to. You, BJ's like, yes, I do that all the time. You have to be able to do that. And I was doing that at this barbecue. They're running around. There were a thousand different ways for them to kill themselves. There were big piles of scrap metal. There were burning huge fire pits everywhere. There was kerosene cans laying around. There were huge dogs. It was all concrete. People were like trying to do cornhole and like smacking my kid in the face. He just didn't, he just wanted to go places. Tons of people were walking around and like Romans just like this, just going wherever he wants to go. And I'm thinking the entire time, he gonna die. And so what I did, I was talking to a Delta pilot, um, trying to have an engaged conversation with this guy. I mean, he was a pilot. I was like, man, that is so cool. Roman, get back here. Come on now. Hey, I think it's awesome. Well, how many hours you work? Hey, Roman, come on. Come on. God, hey, come on. Hold on. I'm sorry. Get, get over here. You're fire. My goodness. We will die without the Father's voice. We're like little children going after things that will kill us. We don't know what's good for us. All we like are things that our souls, that our desires, all of our sin. We have no idea what's good for us unless we cling to the Father's voice. My children would have killed themselves if they didn't know mine. And constantly I'm having to go, come on. Do not play with that scrap metal. And God does the very same thing with his word. Our hearts are perilously evil. We don't know what's right for us. 
our hearts are so desperately wicked that even when we think we're doing good things, we're doing it for the wrong reasons. And God's word is the voice that calls us back and says, listen to daddy. This is my will. This was I want. This is what is good. We talk so much about how hard it is to live righteously and believe in Jesus today. Well, we should. It's hard. It's hard to be a Christian. There's a reason it's called a race. But we rarely talk about how hard it is for Jesus to keep wayward sheep in the fold. Out of harm's way. We have no idea how hard it is for God to guard us and keep our souls alive. Look at the verbs Jesus uses to describe how Jesus protects his people. He prays for them. He keeps them. He guards them. That's all Jesus is doing. Not even you. Well, I mean, I'll be, I'm the one running the race. It's my faith. Well, before you could even believe in Jesus, while you are believing in Christ, he is already preparing the way for you as the shepherd. The world is like a pack of rabid wolves after our souls, and we are just loving the world going after it, and Jesus is keeping us apart with his word. The only assurance we have in this life is the knowledge that God is holding his people is holding his people fast with his word. That's why Paul in Ephesians, he calls, the, he calls the word the what? The sword of the spirit. That's how we keep ourselves alive. God is so intentional about his church, the church that he chose, that Jesus was even praying for us then. Verse 9. I am praying for them. I am not praying for the world, but for those whom you have given me, for they are yours. Wow. That's a little harsh, Jesus. You're not praying for the world. You're praying for, well, he's praying for the ones the Father has given him. The one the Father has chosen him. If you believe in Jesus today, you have the confidence that God is for you. And before you were ever born, he was fighting for you. You come to faith. He prayed for you. He preserved you. He kept you. He guarded you. All of the power, presence, authority, wisdom, and will of God is behind the elect. Nothing can separate us from the love of God because the love of God has come into our lives and it's to stay. Well, someone could go, well, I mean, Avi, I get that. I mean, I, I like that. That's, that's, that's nice. But what about John 3.16? God so loved the world. That's pretty harsh when he says, I'm praying for them. I'm not praying for the world. How am I supposed to, how am I supposed to reconcile those two texts? Well, God does love the world. What's John 3.16 say? God so loved the world that he what? He gave his only begotten son that whomever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. He gave us the door, folks. He gave us the way. The way, the truth, and the life. There is no one coming to the Father except through the Son. The problem is that nobody wants the Son, so God said, I'll take and elect people. I will give them to the Son. If nobody will walk through the door, I will pull them through the door. And that's called amazing grace. Philippians 2, 12-13 Walk, Work out your salvation with fear and trembling for it is God who wills and works in you. If you are in Christ today, God took your dead corpse. He chose you. He called you. He resurrected you. He drew you. He changed you. He justified you. And He sanctified you. And we call that the gospel. 
There are two kinds of Christians in this world. Professing Christians, I would say. Two kinds. When we talk about this election thing. There are those who go to church and they go, Well, I guess I must be God's elect. I guess that means I believe in Jesus and read the Bible and I'm not of the world. Meanwhile, they live like Pharisees. And then there are those who go to church, they believe in Jesus, they read God's word, they keep themselves in the world, and they go, I guess God must have elected me, because I know I couldn't do any of that on my own. That's how it works. We are walking a tightrope of faith. And when we get scared, and we fall, and we sin, we go, Jesus, do you have me? He goes, I've got you. Election is not a badge to show off in public. Election is the safety net when we fall. Election is not a prideful bat to beat others with. It's the anchor in the storm. Election doesn't make us prideful. Election should make us the most humble people on earth. When we sin, when we fall short, when we cry out to God and say, I can't hang on, the Trinitarian God says, I have you. I've always had you. I prayed for you. I kept you. I guarded you. And I'm sustaining you even now. 2 Peter 1.10 says, Therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and election. For if you practice these qualities, you will never fall. I want to make sure everyone hears this real quick. It is not our job to decide who's elect. When people hear the word election, I think a lot of people think, oh, so you're elect. Oh, okay, so we're not. No, our job is to keep believing in Jesus and seeking his word. That is the job of the Christian. Election is not for pride's sake. It should humble the heck out of you. Because you come to the end of the race and you go, oh, wait a minute, you were behind me the whole time. God's grace is for his glory and not our own. Verse 12, while I was with them, I kept them in your name, which you have given me. I have guarded them, and not one of them has been lost except the son of destruction, that the scripture might be fulfilled. Jesus Christ did not lose one sheep. He kept us, he's guarding us, he's protecting us, he's preserving us. God did all of that. I want to give a, 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 I want to explain real quick how... The Christian life should work. When I am living as a Christian in obedience, seeking after Him, meditating on God's Word, loving my neighbor, loving God, abiding in His Word, I should look back into God's sovereignty and go, wow, God's grace is doing all that. But if I am not loving my neighbor, if I am not loving God, if I am chasing after the world, if I am not in his word, there is cause for the Christian to go, am I in the word? Am I in Jesus? There are times that we doubt our faith. And sometimes, you better hear me this, and quote it, not because it's taping right now, so... There are times when doubt can be good for a Christian. Because doubt is the tip of the spear that we call faith. Because doubt causes us to do what? 
fall and trust in Jesus every single day. Don't live in doubt as unbelief. But when you're called to run the race and love your neighbor and love God and serve no other other than Him, there is cause to look into our souls every single day and examine ourselves and go, Am I in the Word? Am I in God? Am I a part of His family? Am I running this race well? So that when we do run well, when we are in the Spirit, when we are walking in obedience, we can look back and go, it is you, God, and not me. The Gospel is a Father-elected, Son-kept, Spirit-led Gospel. We get all the responsibility. We get none of the glory. But Jesus gives us everything He has. I want to challenge you this morning. If you think you're God's elect, How do you know? If you think you are God's elect, how do you know? Is it because you go to church? Is it because you have nice southern manners and you're polite? Is it because you think you're a little better than someone else? Because God says that the Father gives the Son a chosen people and they keep His word. They obey His Word, they study His Word, they abide in His Word, and they know His voice. This morning, if you claim to be a Christian, but you're not in God's Word regularly, if you are claiming to be a Christian, and the only way you really judge your righteousness is because you're not so bad as someone else, come to Jesus, confess your sin, repent, turn away, and seek after Jesus. God does so much to keep His people on the straight and narrow. But ultimately, we're simply asked to believe in Jesus. And it really is that simple. If you have not done so, if you, I know there's a lot of people, let me just, let me, let me get off the script for a second. There are a lot of people in here who don't read their Bible. That's not cool. There are a lot of people in here who do not read their Bible regularly. And if you don't, hear me, you have cause to be you have cause to think that your soul is in danger. God keeps His people by His Word. Therefore, if you are not in the Word, how can you know that you are in a relationship with God? Last week, we read where Jesus says, this is eternal life, that you know the living God in His Son whom He has sent. The only way to do that is to come to His Word and believe. If you have not done so, please repent of your sins. Come to the Lord Jesus Christ and renew your faith in His Son. Let's pray. Father, it's You who keeps us. It's You who chooses. It's You who ordains. Father, we're asked to keep Your Word. Father, I pray... And if it be your will, you keep every single person in here hearing your word and you keep them by your word and you guard them, you preserve them. Father, we know that the only way we can stay alive in this world is by having your word written on our hearts. Father, I pray that for those who are not walking in faith, your spirit may change them, draw them, and save them. All these things we ask in your precious son's name. Amen.